0: the subject for the evening talk is concentration and insight if one has uh, any uh, sustained exposure to uh, the field of meditation it means we become familiar uh, to a degree with various ways and means of approach and in some traditions and schools and practices the very word meditation itself is related and connected to a particular and specific kind of uh, spiritual experience and it isn't unusual for a person to come into a retreat and to think and imagine um, well what I'm doing at the moment isn't meditation but if I keep doing it, whatever it is that after a period of time I'll enter into a a state of meditation and that view isn't unusual and it's partly because some schools, traditions, practices are past and present have a particular definition for what meditation actually is but here in these circumstances we use the language and the concept of um, meditation to have a much uh, broader meaning and basically a moment of mindfulness here is A moment of meditation. A moment of being a conscious human being is a moment of meditation. A moment of being receptive to the here and now is a moment of meditation. And more specifically perhaps we would say well the meditation is um, when I am sitting in the room here on the chair or using the stool or the cross-legged posture uh, when I am engaged in slow walking so quite often our association with meditation is connected with a particular form sitting form, standing form, walking form and, and we say well those are the meditation times and periods but in its broader sense we include all of that but we also include everything else as well a moment of conscious purposefulness in mindfulness is a meditative moment is a contemplative moment is a a conscious moment and each of those conscious moments helps to renew our sensitivities towards life itself and the feeling of life and in that feeling of life we can allow ourselves to run deep into it with um, meditation, though I rarely use the word uh, uh, concentration, in so far as when people come to sit, or to walk, or to, to stand, some people, and you may have had the same thoughts during the course of today, oh, if only I could concentrate. And the p- capacity of people to concentrate varies a lot from one person to another and some people have quite exceptional remarkable powers of concentration one tells the person to uh, concentrate on the tip of their nose or on the rise and fall of their abdomen or whatever the person is able to do that and there is very little disturbance and very little distraction going on some people have this capacity for concentration there. And for some, and we see this quite uh, regularly on retreats, the person can come and sit in the meditation room, be extremely still for quite long periods of time, perhaps arrives in the meditation room before the rest of us jaunt our way in. Um, we have all split off to do other things. This person is still sitting in the meditation room, very focused, very concentrated, we come back in, same person, and still there, and we say, God, what, you know, what a mind. Of course, what the outside says is no indicator, as we know of what the inner, inner life is, and maybe in a complete fantasy, and it's been running for three hours, but they give the appearance of being extraordinarily concentrated. Well, perhaps they are, they're concentrating on the fantasy. But, and, but some people, as I say, do have this capacity for real focus. concentration uh, which which is there and that concentration in the time of it can bring together mind and and body but as with all things in life and including the capacity to concentrate and to stay concentrated that it has to dissolve it has to anything that comes together is formed together which Uh, which we can hold together for a period of time can dissolve and in its dissolution what's left? and so there can be for us some exaggeration of value in fact about the place and significance of concentration and some traditions emphasise it very very strongly and I suspect perhaps a bit too Uh, too too strongly because there can be a forgetfulness that what forms together must dissolve what arises and meets must fade away and there are people who come and say on retreat it is impossible to concentrate my mind absolutely refuses to let me I can't even find my nose in a meditation let alone find my breath that the moment I sit down I'm just everywhere and it's only when somebody is snoring beside me that I will get back to the here and now or when I hear the bell ring at the end of the sitting oh right, presence, focus, <coughs> life and the rest of the time the mind is all over the place and this can be understandably quite frustrating and annoying and irritating for people they say, well I can't concentrate and one then can start to be rather envious of the concentrators and feel that one is in this unconcentrated diffused minority etc the extraordinary thing is with the whole process of meditation and the silence in which we participate is that In the very way of things, almost rather mysteriously, the capacity to concentrate doesn't guarantee any insights and wisdom emerging out of it, and the capacity not to concentrate doesn't stop insight and wisdom emerging. And so the field of, of ability to concentrate may not matter as much as we think it does and that somehow in the whatever nature of things in the atmosphere of events like this and and others understanding almost comes to us by another road by another route and it's not just dependent on for the blessed few who can concentrate their minds, and as one has seen in day-to-day life in many circumstances over the years people can concentrate and as soon as the concentration dissolves there's incredible disorder in the person's life and, and others who can't concentrate yet there's a wisdom that comes in their day-to-day life which is spacious and accommodating in, in various ways so concentration itself is not really the um, essence nor the hub nor the pinnacle of these kind of teachings. The ability to uh, focus and the uh, capacity to do that is of course a support of these practices. But in a way it's, it's learning to have hopefully enough focus which allows us to see things clearly enough so that we can deal in life more effectively and more easily with the unexpected if there's one thing about life which is guaranteed is that there is going to be the unexpected and the unexpected comes from outside of ourselves and it also can come from within or from both simultaneously and life consistently throws up the unexpected in ways that you and I could never imagine because human mind can't possibly perceive all the interactivities of life and therefore the unexpected will and does come to us in numerous ways what is our relationship to the unexpected just to to take a a uh, couple of uh, small uh, um, examples there in the, in the natural world for the moment um, in uh, November I was in um, Australia giving teachings uh, it was in the forest and parts of the forest uh, subtropical subtropical uh, rainforest uh, retreatants on the forest 60 to 70 uh, people and uh, a wide variety of uh, wildlife long since exterminated in this country and when the uh, retreat be- began despite the majority of people being Australians many of course, you know, from the city had seen as much forest as uh, uh, there were very little forest at all in their life and people were in tents and very minimal, minimal conditions I was there, and when the retreat started, the fir- I think the first words I said were, Welcome to Jurassic Park. And with large goannas, and, um, and pythons, and possums, and, uh, funnel web spiders, and leeches, and things that hum and crawl in the night, and a wonderful array of birds in the air, all of that, uh, was around and one night one person as uh, she lay in her tent put her hand down and under the tent <laughs> was a snake the length of the tent eight or nine feet uh, long and she ran her hand along this uh, snake it's a python you know, carpet snake kind family of and and then there was the situation what to do with the unexpected in, a, in a, a, another person in the case a, a, another woman as she put up her tent on the first night she um, noticed the, a hole and looked just inside the hole and in it was a funnel web spider um, a funnel web spider is if it gets you it's intensive care quickly we were 40 minutes drive from the road on a track in the middle of nowhere hour and 20 minutes from the nearest clinic and she has a funnel-web spider in a little hole beside her tent now I have been to this forest many times over 20 years I learned something funnel-web spiders jump at you that I didn't know before (laughs) and so she got into her tent and she said what do I do to herself? and she's full of anxiety I mean, doesn't quite want one of these things crawling around in the night and first impulse was to escape, get away move the tent and find somewhere where there isn't one of these things living and then, or do I work with it? so for the first two or three nights she got a rock and she put it (laughs) on top of the hole of the tent because the webs mostly travel around in the night and and then after a few nights she began to feel more uncomfortable and she looked from a distance down the hole in the tent there were eggs down there and so even more respectful and then came do I stay with this or do I lift the rock and use my tent, it was a dome tent so she had some, you know, she was sealed in but in the night, she wants to go and have a leak. What does she do? So, just use those two examples of the snake and the, uh, the funnel web as uh, an example, an illustration in life of the sudden appearance of the unexpected. It can come to us in many forms, and in that, what we need in a way is enough focus of mind, just enough presence of mind in that situation so that all the panic buttons don't dominate the action just enough focus just enough to stay steady in such a situation to work with it as she did and to her her credit actually by working with this her neighbour we all have our neighbours in life and her neighbour was the the spider by working uh, with the situation enough focus, steadiness, trust and confidence By the last night, the rock was off the hole. Just learning to be exceptionally mindful when getting into the tent and when getting out of the tent and checking what was in the tent before she got in the sleeping bag, etc, etc, etc. And situations like like that, as I say, the teachings and practice is not placing undue pressure upon ourselves to be able to uh, concentrate but enough steadiness to see clearly enough so that that we aren't overrun with waves of, in this case say, panic or uh, agitation or fear and so that the focus allows a different kind of action and a different kind of response than what the conditioned pattern tells us. So in that respect the... Um, capacity for focusing has a genuinely liberating factor to it and teachings are about liberation and the support for it is the ability to focus especially when needed in many situations in uh, here and in being in uh, the place here it's very unlikely that we'll be meeting such uh, creatures unless they take human form and (laughs) if they do and in that there can be a situation of something happening around us in our room in the uh, queue for food uh, uh, waiting in the toilet um, sounds in the meditation room etc and in a way the um, unexpected (laughs) the unwelcome and the unwanted then comes into our focus and upon its coming into our focus can, it can provoke a reaction and we identify ourselves <coughs> with that reaction towards the object and we imagine quite sincerely that the object is disturbing me he, she, they, that or whatever and we believe rather strongly if not inherently in the view that this is disturbing me and it's stopping me from concentrating it's stopping me from meditating it's stopping me from being aware if this this person wasn't on the retreat I'd probably be enlightened by now etc. so we get this view very very strongly and we keep pinning everything on what's happening around us as that which is disturbing me. In a way, perhaps it isn't that which is disturbing us. What's really disturbing us is our own mind. Our mind is disturbed. And that, that's where the disturbance actually lies. It's in the mind's relationship to events. And we get solidly identified with the disturbance of the mind and we can spend so much of our life trying to have things just so around us just right, in the right order, in the right way just to fit in so that our mind can have rest and the world will not cooperate it refuses and even if we can organise our day-to-day life fairly adequately and get things just right the right neighbours popular favourite the right job and uh, the right money and the right friends and the right partner uh, the right independence however whatever the value system is doesn't mean anything because that can change at any time other people won't consider us to be the center of the world and they will move on to better things and move away from us etc and th- sometimes it seems just as we are getting everything together it falls apart life cannot fit in to the demand and the wishes of the mind and if it does it's temporary plain old truth of life when the world around fits in with the wishes of the mind it's a temporary phenomena be grateful for this extraordinary coincidence Uh Uh and when life doesn't fit into the mind to some degree it's a challenge and a test for our wisdom the wisdom element is the understanding of the mind in relationship to the world and our mind in relationship to itself as I say so sometimes life and our mind we feel in harmony and it fits fits in well and things go as we would wish them to go but there's no assurance nor guarantee for that and teachings are trying to be as honest and as clear as possible to us let's be very, very clear about this one thing in life the world is not designed to fit in with all the needs and all the demands of the human mind life is not made like that thank goodness think of the eccentric behaviour of one's mind think of what goes on in one's mind Can you imagine wanting the world to fit into it? Just think of what's been going on in the mind in the room here during today So in that we need to understand our mind in relationship to itself of course but also relationship to the world around and as I said the world of the snake and and the spider comes to us in different forms pretty regularly in our life to anybody, anywhere, anytime. <coughs> and that's where we're challenged as the two women in the forest were and to their tremendous uh, credit, um, handled it um very, very well. One might ask what is the relationship to focusing or oh. concentration, and uh, um, and uh uh, insight and as you know this is often referred to as uh, insight meditation more precisely uh, it's a, a shorthand really of really it's meditation for insight it's a meditation for insight it's a meditation towards seeing clearly The meditation for understanding the nature of things and over the years the lazy monks it got, got it reduced down to insight meditation and so it got passed on in the tradition <coughs> uh, in, in that way so sometimes people will say um, well firstly um, I engage in calmness meditation that means mindfulness of breathing and then after I've generated some degree of calmness then I'll go from calmness to uh, body awareness or to a choiceless, open awareness for insight and there are some schools and traditions that view in that way but I I would say that at any moment in life including being with the breath or anything else can provide us with insight can help us to see more clearly and that opportunity for that is available, available to us so one might look at today, you might, might say well I certainly haven't had any insight today it's one day down, four to go and um, today it's just been uh, it's been uh, uh, survival strategy it's been um, the longest day of my entire existence and I used to complain bitterly that life was going by so fast so now it's going by so slowly I can't stand it I wish it would speed up, etc. One might say, well today my whole mind has been um, uh, everywhere no wonder this place is called Gaia because my, place, my mind has been Gaia all over this earth gaia everywhere and therefore how can I have any insight in spiritual terms, that means in Dharma terms, to see that very clear light very clearly is insight. It's sight into. If one truly sees very clearly the state and condition of one's state of mind today, of the state of body, and one sees that very clearly. That is insight. You've seen into, seeing very clearly that one is clear about that so in a way it's not so much that one has these experiences and then well I get rid of some of these painful hindrances and difficulties that are occurring and then afterwards with a bit of luck before this retreat is over I'll get enough calmness to get some insight It's much more any experience which is seeing clearly not just thinking about it but seeing it clearly for what it is that's called insight see clearly One might have been in the food queue today and those in the front of the food queue think well thank God I got here to the front of the queue because they have been here before and they know that it's a a very difficult task for the managers to be able to assess especially on the first day of a a full retreat how much food the people will eat so those who have been here before remember not much fun being at the end of the food line on the first day of the retreat I'll get myself in there first and get up the front so then there are those who are at the back of the food queue thinking I wonder if there's any going to be anything uh, left over and the disturbances from the stomach begin to uh, arise rather quickly and one sees people their arms weighed down with a plate of food they're carrying it so heavy that it's near their knees they kind of crawl into the uh, dining room, the living room next door and this only sends the, the, the worry level up a few notches for those who are at the end feeling that they're going to be, become the new left-out people. And all, all of that can be going on. A tremendous degree of uh, agitation can be taking uh, place. And of course, it can be true. It's not like the level of food in those bowls is of an infinite supply and those managers and teachers in the kitchen may have consumed all, all, all the rest and it has happened from time to time that the poor person in the last 10% of the queue <coughs> or more come to the empty bowl it's all terribly disappointing and in all, all, of, all of that it's a situation where the unexpected has happened expectation was at 12.30 I will eat and that the expectation didn't become the reality and one has to take one's empty bowl into the kitchen and beg for a sandwich or something correct has happened here I warn you so again everything seems to be in its order everything seems to be in control life seems to be proceeding along as it should and then Something happens and disturbs it. How are we when we can't get what we want? How are we when we can't get what we want? and as I said before, life it is impossible to fit in with every whim, every desire, every expectation of a of a human being and and somehow and not with our head but with our heart with the base of our heart, we need to learn this lesson very, very well. In all in all of of that the, some of the old sayings, some the old spiritual texts begin to have a fresh meaning. And the one that immediately comes to mind, which is worth reflecting on for one's whole existence, is when uh, Jesus was speaking at uh, the wedding feast and he made this wonderfully profound one-liner and the last shall be first. And it goes like, a, it's like a, a, a Zen Cohen from Jesus. The last shall be first, he said in the wedding feast. And the place to discover and find out what those deep truths of life mean is at the end of the food cure the last shall be first it goes against all the thinking and all the logic and all the conceptualising and all the agitation that's going on What what does that deeply mean what's the deep truth to be discovered in such a one line statement when he says be ever watchful the kingdom of God is at hand what's he talking about what's the reference point when, when the Buddha says dite Dharma, Dharma means dharma means teaching it means thing dite means view of a thing to realise the truth is to, for there to be a view of a thing to view a thing Let's translate that into freestyle language to be right here and now what is it to view a thing what is that? and when we drop a lot of the conceptualised baggage that we have when we forget all the projections and interpretations onto something whatever it might be that go on in our life when we strip all of that away and there's just a human being and there is just this day, down day the view of a thing, or in Jesus' um, uh, poetic language, being watchful, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does what does the deep insights and realizations mean? And that it's in that spirit, in fact, that the contemplative life comes in—the the focused life, the meditative uh, life—which, of course, we are engaged in here, morning, noon, and night. to view. To view a thing and to and what that relationship is. So, the focusing of the attention, in a way, is when it is possible and it is available to us, is putting aside perhaps temporarily some of the conditioning and the and the patterns which influence us. But as I said, and as we explored a little bit in the inquiry today, sometimes we are not in the privileged position of being able to focus on the thing which we want to focus on, or on the here and now, or on the breath, or whatever. There's simply too much going on inside. And that too much going on inside, it's as though the conditioned forces accumulated in time are impacting on our present called samskaras samkaras that means old mental formations old patterns coming in and impacting on the present and they are disturbing the ability to focus on and we know this disturbance is going on inside we feel it, we think it we uh, pick up on it there's a disturbance which is going on and everything inside of oneself is saying I wish I didn't feel so disturbed in mind, in heart, in body that something inside of us quite naturally protests about being disturbed about anything we don't like that sensation, that feeling we don't like being caught up or stuck in we don't like that state and perhaps we don't like it because somewhere there is some intuition that it's stopping us from seeing something much more clearly and so in that, in that, in that respect the very disturbances that go on uh, in, in our life it's not that not only a disturbance we don't like we don't like the discomfort of it but somewhere we know if I didn't have so much of this disturbance I could see something much more clearly and therefore there's a natural intuitive almost feeling in our guts really to see clearly to discover and that's why as human beings we dislike disturbance whether it's on one level of our being or whether it's the disturbance that goes on as we see in this obscene event in the former Yugoslavia something we we, we we rebel against we, we protest uh, against whether it's on its subtle uh, level of an event in our inner life or on a much larger level of disturbance because there's a sense that something's askew something's misplaced gone wrong somewhere or other and so perhaps with the inner life that goes on with us it's, it's a challenge and it's Asking ourselves, what way when there's these conditioned forces do I work with these disturbances? What what can I what can I bring to bear when I feel feel disturbed? What is it I need to see and, and understand here? What ways do other people who have similar disturbances in life and similar agitations how, do, how are they working with it? How, how are they uh, de- dealing dealing with it? And all of that becomes a um, kind of grist for the mill. It's part of a spiritual practice, working with disturbed with a disturbed mind in all the degrees that it can come. And sometimes with that, we don't have the skill. We can't say to ourselves, "Well, all the truth is inside of me." we can't say to ourselves I should be able to work it all out by myself sometimes the mind cannot most of us most of us, maybe all of us who I've ever met anyway have for wisdom and awareness in life have required contact with teachers and teachings and practices and support networks and I would imagine it, it's very rare to find a human being who hasn't had that support well, certainly um, uh, Gautama, the Buddha had that support himself all through his years of practice and, and disciplines that took place prior to his realisation through his realisation immediately after the realisation under the Bodhi tree in, in India so in that in that, res- in that respect we need and give hopefully the support to each other. How can I live a life which I'm not experiencing that those disturbances disturbances of the mind which in such a way make one's life so painful and difficult? And there's no simple answer nor simple solution to that. There's no simple um, um, medication which will solve that human heart and human mind is a vast organic event it's an extraordinary vast field inside it's a whole as somebody said today that in um, sitting in uh, uh, retreat re- re- realising how vast the inner world was and being exposed uh, to that and, ex- and its exploration so the knowing of ourselves is sensing and the practice of the focusing of attention of our dedication to the here and now situation and in the moments when we are calm and clear and there's nothing disturbing us those moments they might be short lived just to be receptive and rest in those moments The thought might arise well nothing's happening, I'm not getting any special insight, I'm not getting any huge awakening No big realisation is coming to me. And all of these thoughts is a little bit of disturbance. Of impatience. Of wanting more than what is spiritually available in the here and now. And so there can be, as I say, periods of time when we are asking nothing whatsoever of life. We're asking nothing of ourselves nothing of anybody else nothing whatsoever and we're just present (coughs) and in it just being present asking for nothing it might be that nothing happens can we just be with that and ask nothing of it ask nothing whatsoever of life and there's a certain kind of trust and humility and innocence which accompanies that it might be ten minutes later ten hours later or whatever there is a release of lots of insights, might be or a release of lots of disturbances life is organic it's not programmed for the whims of you and me but perhaps in our spaciousness if disturbances do come, they are here are disturbances what ways can these be worked with and explored so that we have a real wisdom about living and as I said these uh, teachings are very much connected to finding the kind of realisation in life what does it mean to be in the moment of demanding nothing from anyone, anywhere including oneself does feel like? what's the quality of that? what's the, the sensitivity of of that? And, and to rest with that and see what occurs may all beings live in peace may all beings live in harmony may all beings live in peace and harmony so let's have a couple of uh, quiet minutes together shall we please?